welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bass. And thank you for listening, David. Yes. How you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm doing I'm doing well. I'm, I'm uh, tanned, rested, and ready. That's my, that's my week off. Oh, yeah, that's right. A special thank you to... Uh, Ben Sampson, who is who has his PhD, which means I can call him technically Doc Sampson, but he does not prefer that. Doc Sampson is a character from The Incredible Hulk. But anyway, okay. Um, so, uh, but that you was, don't call, you, he doesn't go by Doctor. Oh boy, no, he does not. He uh, huh. hates the idea of it. That's um, crazy. It's a doctorate in film, but it still takes a long time. I guess I just think about I think about Doctor Evil sure. saying I didn't go to evil medical school for seven years to be called Mister. Yeah. Uh, and I just assume that applies to all doctors, evil or otherwise. The I, two types of doctors, evil and non-evil, both right, like yes. to be called doctor. Yeah, I think pro- that's probably the case for most, but I do think that there's a certain degree of, uh, well, I guess, pretension uh, if you are a, uh, a, f- a film doctor. I don't think so. Name's Ben Sampson, the film doctor. Yeah. <laughs> if you went by that, okay, I think that's fine. Uh, but but no, uh, yeah. Thanks for thanks to him and thanks to you for covering for me my week off. I'll, oh, I'll okay. have you know I performed my my duties as a groomsman, mm-hmm. and my you know, my brother Kevin was successfully wed. Okay, so all I, systems I, go. I did a good job of standing there and then eventually hooking elbows with a woman I don't know and walking down the aisle because right. she was the opposing bridesmaid. Opposing? Um, oh, that's how, yeah. Let me literally, yeah, she I was guess the so, opposing yeah. bridesmaid. See, I, when, I was a, when I've been a groomsman, I, I like to rally the troops and say, like, we are going to win this thing. Those bridesmaids <laughs> are not going to know what hit them. Um, but seriously, like, groomsmen, there's, like, the best man has duties. Sure. Not just at the wedding, like, leading up to the wedding, like... The whole idea of the bride, like party, like the groomsmen and the bridesmaids, is like what? What do they do? Like, what is it for? It's symbolic. I'm yeah, sure. it, I, I feel like I was in some pictures, and then yeah. I did the thing where I stood there. I just basically just watched the wedding, standing and off to the side, as opposed to sitting and looking at it head, head on. As time has gone on, I've come to realize that oh, the wedding party. What's What's neat about that is the bigger the wedding party is, the more likely it is that someone somewhere is going to screw something up. Uh, whereas like, you know, your wedding party, I got to say just right. <laughs> yeah. We had a best man and a maid yeah, of honor. Damn right. Uh, that was it. Uh, uh, things almost got screwed up. We had a classic like, uh, uh, movie type situation. One of the groomsmen, uh, lives in Austin and he wasn't at the rehearsal dinner oh, the night boy. before. And I'll tell you why it's because in <laughs> driving up, from Austin to St. Louis, he got pulled over in Oklahoma where the astute cop realized this person does not have a driver's license and he had to spend the night in jail and he had to have someone, he had to have his brother who lives in St. Louis drive to Oklahoma and drive him back on the wedding day to get there in time for the wedding. Wow. <laughs> and those Austin hipsters. Come on. <laughs> yeah, like. exactly. Get your driver's license, <laughs> hipsters. <laughs> That's the main trying, problem. Trying to run a civilization here. Yeah. Um, I will say that uh, one of my one of my favorite uh, groomsman stories because it's the epitome of everything that bothers me about weddings. Uh, often a wedding is great, of course, and I do. I think I cite yours as the best wedding I've been to. Uh, thank you. So um, great venue as well. But uh, I've been to so many just mediocre weddings, and I, I'll include mine in that. I was young, uh, but I was groomsman 
for my friend Jameson. And while they were, uh, while we were taking photos, the photographer did this super standard bullshit thing that I hate where he goes, okay, here's what we're going to do. Like we're at the, you see it coming, right? No, I'm I'm wondering which of the things I see coming. So, uh, is it all the groomsmen holding the bride, the bride? uh, Oh no. Good God. Thank (laughs) thank you. Thankfully. No, no. Uh, but it did involve all of us. And what it was that, uh, that like, we're standing at the door to the church and like two of the groomsmen are like pulling him inside and the other two are holding him back. And I was one of the ones holding him back. And I said, if I don't want him to go, why am I in a tux? (laughs) This makes no sense at all. And, uh, and bride got mad at me because I, you know, I wasn't going with the flow. Yeah, but, that's uh, a dumb picture, though. It is a dumb picture. I don't get it because I guarantee that the that the couple is not using that photo for anything. No, it's just a yeah. big waste of time. Yeah, they should be creative and do the thing where they're all running away from a T Rex. Right? Exa- well, that's never been done before. For uh, for Jen, um, my wife is a wedding photographer. She uh, she had a. a bride and groom that were big fans of transformers god help us all and so they that's how they met they t- on on the reddit <laughs> oh. uh, but how they, many marriages have started on reddit do you think uh probably the exact number has uh, have ended but um <laughs> i, so had, they I shot, had a lift driver a while ago told me he met his wife on instagram instagram i feel like is maybe more acceptable i don't know how do you meet someone for the first time on instagram i don't actually know isn't there a whole movie about that Ingrid goes west, isn't that kind of that right, way? Because she's a stalker. But like, oh, how well. do you develop? Like, well, yeah, if that's someone how. I don't know comments on one of my photos on Instagram. I'm like, who's this fucking weirdo? Well, I'm not going to become friends with that person. Well, yeah, but we have, uh, though you don't like to use the term, we have fans. So it's probably someone who is a fan of yours. You know, I never, like that never occurs to me on the Instagram because my Instagram is not like Battleship sure. Attention at all. Sure. Uh, yeah, you're you have right. a fairly unique name. Thank you. I try. Um, so this, uh, these people were running away from. Oh, so the, so they uh, at the Griffith Observatory uh, they shot, and all of them were like running, and this was their idea. Jen did not want to necessarily do it, uh, but Jen is not the uh, is not a photo editor. I am, and uh-huh. so I, it was my job to uh, to put what's his name Megatron the bad guy. You're not what a, I, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I had to find him like I had to find an image of him like as he's like reaching down and. Uh, I thought it looked really good. And then I've seen other people, uh, do the same thing and theirs look way better than mine. Oh. But, uh, but that's all right. This is that, this photo has been this groom's like header image on Facebook for years now. How about that? So anyway, sorry, enough wedding talk. Yeah. We've kept our guest quiet long enough Indeed. and he's going to be quite a little bit longer because yeah. we're going to read a couple ads, but this part he's going to be excited about because this, you know, yeah, here who couldn't be this episode is brought to you by movie, a curated online cinema that brings its members is a hand-picked selection of the best independent, international, and classic films. Every day, movies curators introduce a new title, and you have 30 days to watch it. That means there's always 30 wonderful films to enjoy, all for only $5.99 a month. Plus, when you use their mobile apps, you can download films to watch offline. Currently available on Mubi are a couple of classic genre noir films, pardon me, Picnic on the Grass, and The Crime of Monsieur Long, which I think we saw in school, did we not? I don't think I did. You oh, have. okay. I think I did in my in my uh, film history class. Uh, films from uh, his uh, his uh, early career and his late career. Uh, 
classy yet undeniably human, which I guess is what you could say is true of all of his films. Uh, they uh, showcase the filmmaker at his best. Movie is also in the midst of a series of new Argentine cinema. Uh, After 12, Martin Shanley's uh, debut is a defiantly unsentimental coming-of-age story that sheds sheds light on the many complications that await at the gates of adolescence. There are several other Argentine films available, so tune in and check out this fascinating series. And there's also a special offer for listeners of Battleship Pretension. You can try movie free for a month. Just go to movie.com, that's M-U-B-I.com, slash Battleship, that's how you get the free month, slash Battleship to redeem now. And I want to tell you about tweakedaudio.com, which is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great, they sound great, Tyler and I both use them each and every day of our lives. They're available at a low, low price over at tweakedaudio.com. But hold on, if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Tyler. Now, of course, people can always go to battleshippretension.com and click on the ads to get where they need to go. And we should probably say that instead. What was that? We should probably say that We probably that should instead. say that. Either way, it, did, it gets them where they need to go. But the point is, look, but I'm just saying them, this we because... We get them, them clicks. We do get dem clicks. Yes, you're correct. Uh, we do have a new website, though, which is very exciting. And yes. uh, hopefully listeners have uh, and readers have, have looked at it and are uh, not overly confused. I mean, anytime I, there's a site yeah, that I go not, to, like the AV Club just revamped their site, and I still can't figure it out. Here's the thing about the AV Club's revamp. Okay. <laughs> None of the things that I hate about it have to do with the revamp itself. Okay. They changed some shit they didn't need to change. Right. Which is now, if I'm scrolling through... You know, they have their categories. This is like yeah. a for our consideration. This is a random rolls or whatever. Yeah. This is a history of violence, whatever. They have those different categories of columns, I guess. Yeah. Those aren't readily visible now when you're scrolling through. And like I, I'm realizing now on the old site, that was like 90% of how I chose to read something was if it belonged to a category that I liked to read. Yeah. So now I'm sure I'm missing stuff because I don't realize like... How do I, this is some dumb, is this some dumb link or is this actually like a, uh, an editorial? Anyway, yeah. we had our, like we had our old site for many, many years and you know what? It wasn't broke, so we didn't fix it, but, uh, we thought, uh, there'd be a, it wouldn't hurt to jumble things up a little bit, but we haven't eliminated anything. Um, now speaking of many, many years, yes, many, many years ago, uh, I was, uh, uh, film, a film producer on um, Pilar Alessandra's show, mm-hmm. uh, her podcast on the page. Um, I've done this from time to time. It's been a while. Um, and uh, her guest was our guest today, and we'll get to in a second. Okay. And uh, I think um, he, I think, had you even heard of the podcast? Maybe don't, don't you're not allowed to speak. Uh, <laughs> anyway, in any case, after it was, after it was uh, over, we were like, you should be on the show. This was years ago. And I think we had made one attempt 
and like we couldn't get the scheduling to work out uh and luckily because i still follow the guy on twitter i still would think from time to time like we gotta have him on the show so it's finally happened mm-hmm. probably two recording locations later yeah uh, it's probably happened and i present to you the listener uh writer director ben meckler hi 11 minutes Thank you so much. I made it. Yeah. yeah. I had a lot of DVDs on the wall to look at. Yeah. Indeed. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, uh, how have you been since being on On the Page? <laughs> uh, great. I've been great. I haven't talked to Pilar in a while. She's great. Bye. Right. Yeah. Uh, I've been I've been doing very well. I think I think around that time I was still at Nerdist. Yeah. yeah I'm, definitely. I'm not currently there. I've been doing a lot more stuff. It's been very exciting. And uh, yeah, it's, I'm glad I finally made it. I was curious. I noticed that the, the email you sent me for this for this particular recording is the same chain that we had. Yeah. So I'm curious, like how far back it goes. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Because it's not a matter of like months that we've been trying to do this. Oh, March fifth, two thousand fifteen. Okay. Oh, that's not bad. That's only two and a half years. I don't yeah. know. That's pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> two and a half years is a pretty long time to not. Uh, I suppose that's true. Yeah. Come beyond this podcast, but uh, I mean, I guess it's good. You know, we've all been busy. Uh, yeah, we definitely that's have. A good, that's a good thing. Will you tell the listeners what you've been busy with? Sure, recently? sure. Uh, well, I, had, I wrote on a TBS show called Final Space, um, which will be airing sometime early next year. Don't know exactly when yet. Cool. Uh, very cool animated sci-fi comedy show. It was super fun. And since then, I've been developing a few of my own shows with some companies that I'm not allowed to talk about, but hopefully will be something people hear about at some point in the future. That's all right, I guess. Yeah. It doesn't really help us here, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, I can't bring the sclue to this this episode, but maybe sometime in the future if things go well. And uh, yeah, I've just been uh, freelancing, writing and directing music videos, commercial shorts, writing TV stuff, and uh, a lot of animation and a feature and just trying trying to uh spread it out and be busy and just tell good stories cool yeah you're a man about town you're really bouncing around real real man about town here in the city of angels just be a real hollywood boy yeah Yeah. a gadfly yeah what does that mean is that it's what that remake of the fly that josh gad is in (laughs) right Yeah. Gadfly? No, it was the remake of Superfly that Josh Gad was in. <laughs> wow, that's um, a repulsive sentence. <laughs> uh, Superfly is a great movie, by the way. With a really wonderful soundtrack. Yeah, no, I, I've, I've heard I, that. No exaggeration. Probably listen to the soundtrack every day for most of my life. It's it's not wow. a, it's not it's not a joke. Now, when you say most of your life, does that include where you are right now in your life, or did it stop? Were you listening? No, to it's in the still car going. On okay, you, on the way over, I listen to Pusher Man. Really? Yeah. I can't tell if you're being sarcastic. I'm not but being I sarcastic. Hope not. <laughs> yeah. It's like right. probably it's, top five favorite songs for me. So yeah, no, it's uh. It's a thing, <laughs> and you know I haven't I haven't listened to that soundtrack in many years because I uh, lost it in a, in a move. Along they with many actually other keep CDs. it on the internet now. Hmm? They keep it on the web. I don't I don't trust the the internet. The whole thing's on <laughs> on the internet. I just talk just to this mic to and song. I let David take the rest. <laughs> there, uh, sure. Now, um, Ben, I'm looking at your finger there, and I'm seeing that you are also wed. I am wed. Uh, so given we were talking about before, thoughts on uh, bridal parties? How big was your bridal party? I had a, a large one. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eight eight bridesmaids and eight groomsmen. Wow. That's a lot. What did they do? I have they a lot of friends. There, right? 
they well, you know, they just stood there, but also, you know, bachelor party, bachelorette party. There's fun stuff to do. We we had uh, nope. They just stood there. That was pretty much it. But it was fun. You know, you hang out in the, in the hotel room the whole day of. It's, sure, it's you and your and your guys and gals just hanging out. You know, having your last nothing changes after marriage, so it's not. It's just a fun hangout. It's yeah. a fun excuse. Everyone told everyone <laughs> yeah. told you things were going to change. Like, I mean, I had a pretty. I think I had pretty reasonable expectations about how I'd been living with my uh, wife for years by the time we got married. So right, it wasn't but didn't a huge... people? Because I had too. But didn't people say like, "Don't worry, like you think it's not going to change, but things are going to change." No, and then, like it's not really. Now, coming up on three years for me, and it's like. I mean, it, I was also glad we did it, but like day to day, it's the same. Yeah, no, <laughs> I was. Tyler al- obviously has a very different experience because he yes. got married. At, well, uh, I was twenty three, chi- a child bride. <laughs> I was twenty five. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Wow. So I was, I was How old are you now? If you don't mind my asking, twenty eight. Twenty eight. Mm-hmm. All right. Sounds like you're also at about the three year mark. Wow. Mm-hmm. You are doing way better at much younger than I am. <laughs> and uh, uh, well, is, let's see. You know what happens. <laughs> that sounds like a threat. I mean, you know, listen, we're all going to be dead in like six months. Let's be real. I mean, oh wow, our time okay. is short. Yeah, no, so, it kind of feels that the, way, right? With the climate change, the clock, with the Houston, clock is ticking, and the fact that it's yeah. 115 degrees in yeah. Los Angeles no, right yeah. now, and also, lest I, you know, need to remind listeners. The big one is still coming, you know, oh, in yeah. Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. In addition to climate change, we have regular old earthquakes yep. to still be fearful of. We're mm-hmm. way overdue for a big one. Yeah. Um, I really hope it's not Northridge again, because I'm right next door. I don't think it will be. No, I think okay. we're talking about, um, like, the... the um, San Andreas. San Andreas. I was the one the, the Rock movie. Yeah. Um, right. It's not going to be like the Rock movie. I, yeah. I read a whole thing. I think we talked about this in the podcast before. Um, but it'll be pretty close. Uh, there won't be any tidal waves because that doesn't make sense for where. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. The, the well, they were setting inland San Francisco. So going, oh, you know, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I read a whole thing about it. Uh, I'm terrified <laughs> of it. I have an earthquake preparedness kit, so I guess I can rest easy. Yeah, I've got like that red backpack yes, you can buy exactly, from Home Depot. Exactly com. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'll definitely not save either of our lives. <laughs> I don't think. Also, my wife and I are like very busy people. We're not like, we spend a lot of time not at home. Yeah. Like <laughs> in the very likely uh, event that we are not home when the earthquake hits, that red backpack is just going to be sitting there doing nobody. Yeah, I've been thinking recently, probably good to have them in our trunks too. Yeah. Extra backpacks. But my number one fear is what will happen to my dogs. That's like the probably the only thing I'm really concerned about. At this top point, I'm like, take me earthquake. Let's do this. Yeah. Let me disappear into the dark abyss. Uh, but yeah, I think about, yeah, my, my dog and my cat, definitely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also a fear of mine because this, obviously it wasn't a big one, but I did once an earthquake hit while I was urinating. And now oh. I think about that all the time when I'm in the bathroom. Like this is a very inconvenient time. Great scene that make, yeah. that make for a great scene. You're welcome. Sure. That's yeah. for you. You can use that. I mean, I may or may not be working on earthquake comedy as right now. So I'm going to make a note of my phone. Um, so, uh, well, let me ask you the question I ask everybody. Where are you from? Where did you grow up? I grew up in the great state of Florida, America's penis. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was completely fine. I grew up in South Florida, about an hour north of Miami. Very suburban. Just, uh, I mean, it was it was a nice place to grow up. One thing that was kind of interesting was that it, in my high school, at least, like, sports, not really as big a deal as, like, our theater program. 
which mm-hmm. was kind of weird. So I was a theater kid, um, like probably 98% of this entire city. And, uh, right. it, it was funny that like the, the kids on the football team were like always trying to get into our shows and like get cast and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I guess in that regard, it wasn't like, I have to assume they just want to get out of the humidity. Possible. It's weird, you know, moving here, humidity was just the status quo for most of my life. No. Um, and then only now moving here is like, oh, yeah, it's not like how just the earth feels all the time. And yeah. now every time I go home, I'm like, get the fuck out of here. I can't I, do this. I, that, I, I was just home in St. Louis where it actually it was. It was uh, nicer than it was here. Um, usually St. Louis is very muggy. Um, mm. And one thing I remember when I first moved here 12 years ago is that it's it's actually noticeably cooler in the shade here. Mm-hmm. Whereas when it's super humid, yeah. it makes almost no difference. None. Because the, yeah. Yeah, the, the sun was not, not my problem yeah. <laughs> in Florida. And I went to school in Tallahassee. I went to Florida State. So it, it was literally up until I moved to L.A. That was just my life. Wow. Now let me ask you, growing up in Southern Florida, Mm -hmm. how many in your high school class were eaten by alligators or crocodiles before you made it to graduation? Probably 65% of my class. (laughs) That's about what (laughs) I... That's a lot. That's what I asked. How many gators did you ever just... Did you see gators? Every once in a while. I mean, like, actually out in the wild, maybe, like, once every couple years... Not super often, unless you went somewhere where you knew there would be alligators. Right. Every once in a while, everyone's house was like on a canal. That was like a pretty standard thing. Your backyard just dips into a canal. And so every once in a while, someone would be like, oh, there's a little alligator in my backyard. It'd like pop out of the water for like four seconds and pop back in. But not a lot. I did eat a lot of gator. Yeah. That's good. Uh, What's the texture like? I've never eaten alligator. Great. I mean, it's, it's, they say it tastes like chicken for just about everything, but it's completely true for, mm. for a gator it's just like tender chicken hmm interesting yeah <laughs> it's pretty good i can eat chicken i don't mind chicken okay well yeah. you can probably eat gator the gator I'm is better in new orleans in my experience i think that's probably the only place where i've like really enjoyed it it's uh it, it's like a novelty in florida well it's because it's uh in new orleans it's 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 seasoned by the oil from the Every, deepwater horizon sure <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, brevity's this all the way, David. It shouldn't take you a minute and a half to get a joke out. All right. Um, uh, okay, so uh, now did you all, when you went to Florida State, I know, has a, a, a film school. Mm-hmm. Did you go to film school at I Florida did. State? So you knew you wanted to be involved in, in, in making, in writing and directing? Or, or yeah, there's not anything else I ever wanted to do. I actually remember the only other two career options that I ever had. They were both before the age of five. One was to be Fozzie Bear, which I think was more like to be a stand-up comedian, uh-huh. but I was three years old. And <laughs> the other was to be a chemist, but I think I really meant a wizard because I just wanted to make <laughs> potions. And that was when I was like two. So I've always wanted to make movies. My mom uh, would take me to the library every week to pick out movies to watch. And when I was really, really young, like I'm going to say four or five, I took out King Kong and uh, Frankenstein mm. the same week and um, was very addicted to monster movies, uh, specifically the Universal monster movies, burned through like all of them very quickly in my childhood and uh, was like having libraries order them from other libraries so oh, that wow. I could like see every single one. So you must have loved this new mummy movie. Yeah, how excited are you <laughs> for the dark universe? <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I like, dark I dark like, universe indeed. <laughs> I, I mean, I, but this is, we have a, we have someone who's obviously has a career and is an insider here because you, you were hesitant to make fun of the dark universe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it seems. No, I mean, look, I, I think everyone knows what, what the dark universe is. Uh-huh. I think everyone knows where the dark universe is at right now. I think we'll all, I'm, I'm genuinely curious, like how far it goes, like how many mo- I think there's maybe one more. And then if that doesn't work out, why, why are we doing this? You know, <laughs> yeah. like why I'm, I, I actually really liked the idea of the dark universe, like bringing back those universal monsters, but oh, it was, I don't think anyone had a problem with bringing back the right. monsters as a cinematic universe. It was a cinematic universe to begin with. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's right there. You just yeah. do it different. That you don't. Yeah. We we already have enough action based cinematic yes, universes. Ex- exactly. The like, mummy like forgot that it was supposed to be a horror movie. Spooky and atmospheric. Except for like the yeah. the best parts of the only good parts of the movie is the few times when it did have some. It yes. did remember it was a horror movie, and there were some some a couple of creepy. Yeah, things. I mean, I I love Stephen Summers' mummy movie. Oh, I think too, it's yeah. great. I think that's a perfect reinvention of what those movies were, how they felt. Cause they did feel like adventure movies, but not, yeah, not, you know, not like, Hey, we got a black ops guy as our hero. Yeah, like, that's not, yeah. that's not in the spirit of those uh, stories. If so. there is any upside to this new mummy movie sucking so much, it's that it's caused other people to like realize what people, smart people like you and me, Ben, have obviously been saying for a long time, sure. which is that Stephen Summers, handsome guys yeah. like us, yeah. Stephen Summers, mummy movie is good. Yo, I miss Stephen Summers so much. Where is he? Well, he didn't make another good movie after that is the problem. I disagree. <laughs> I, I love his G.I. Joe movie. Oh, I never saw that one. It's, it's so fun. It, have you seen it? Yeah, I have not. Uh, which one, you guys got to give make? it a chance. G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra. Okay. Listeners know that... Uh, you didn't see that? I did not. Okay. Uh, listeners know that... Uh, Van Helsing was the first film that I ever on my own, not like looking at a review or something on my own said like, that is mind numbing. Yeah. Uh, and I so badly wanted, cause I'm a sucker for those, those monsters as well. And so like a movie that brings all of them together, like, Oh, what a neat idea. And mm-hmm. this one guy's fighting them all. That's great. Yep. Um, and then that was the movie that we got. And I was so sad. Yeah. And I was, and I was, I mean, that was 2003 or four. I don't remember. I think but it was 2004. Okay. So I was at that point, I was yeah. old enough that I, I was used to disappointment, but I was so excited <laughs> about the idea of Van yeah. Helsing that I was like, I held on for a couple of days and thought like, no, nah, it's not so bad. There's some good stuff in there. And then I just dropped in and said that really should have been better. I was, yeah, I was, I was really disappointed. I mean, so mummy prime, Steven Summers first mummy, <laughs> I was 10. And so it was my favorite movie. And then I liked Mummy Returns a lot. Again, child. And then Van Helsing got announced. I was like, well, that's literally the best thing anyone could ever do with money is give it to Stephen Summers to make this movie. And I was like obsessed. It was right when I started like reading movie news online. So I was like on Ain't It Cool every day at, I guess, what, 14, 15, just like refreshing the page, waiting for more Van Helsing news. And I was like, every time they added a monster, I was like, oh, hell yeah, Igor's in it, and he's got weird makeup. Great, perfect, like everything. I was going nuts. I was so psyched. And then, yeah, I remember where I was sitting in the theater because it was such an <laughs> impactful level of disappointment. Because I, I think I'd seen the review in the Sun Sentinel, my local paper, at like two stars. And I was like, uh-oh, oh, no. And then I, and then I went uh, with my buddy David Rodriguez, who I saw all genre movies with as a child, and... Uh, 
Yeah, it crushed me. I was so bummed out. <laughs> so bummed. There was, it was, uh, again, I was 22. I had seen bad movies by then, but there was just something about, there's an extended sequence where it's, you know, a, a, a stage, not a stagecoach, a carriage, uh, like oh, a big God. carriage chase. And it just goes on and on. And it is, it's action packed. And yet I remember at the time being like, why am I tired? Why is this making me tired? It's kind of how I feel about every blockbuster now. Kind of, yeah. There's <laughs> yeah. a lot of things. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why they leaned so hard into the vampire brides, which were like the least exciting and worst effect in the movie. Yeah. Right. There's a lot of, oh, I mean, there's a lot of design stuff that I think is really fun still. Like their Frankenstein is so weird. Yeah, an, on, an odd interpretation of him. And then that actor went on to play the monster in the musical Young Frankenstein. Isn't that odd? Oh, well, Sherman Schuller Helms, or Hens- Hensley or something. Hensley. You know, I actually was just reading before I, I don't think it's here. Sherman Hemsley. No, it's no, not. I know, I know exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know exactly where my head was going. Uh, it is not. But yes, the that same actor, I was just reading before I came over here, uh, Mel Brooks has been spending years redoing the musical because mm-hmm. he was so disappointed with how it came out yeah. huh. and how it, it, was, it was terrible. I don't know if you guys saw it or I didn't I see not. it. I listened and I read the book and I was like, oh, this is not great. But yeah, it was like almost three hours long, extravagant. The ticket prices were insane. They released it and it just got torn to shreds. It wasn't that it was, it wasn't that it was like terrible, I guess. It just, it, nowhere near the level of quality of the producers. And I guess that like bummed Mel Brooks out as an extremely talented and intelligent person. He was like, I can do better. So he spent years redoing it. It just reopened in the UK. I'm not sure where. And, uh, apparently it's been doing really, really well. Like people are loving mm-hmm. it. It's down to like two hours, but they, it's the same dude. It's the guy from Van Helsing and from the original Broadway cast. Got to stick with what works. It yeah. works. Well, I'm hoping he comes back to Broadway and I can catch it because it's one of my favorite movies. And I would love there to be as a fan of musicals. I'd love there to be like a great young Frankenstein musical. And there is a, in Van Helsing, I remember the one thing that really stuck out to me that I appreciated was the, uh, the werewolf transformation. The yeah, like, they ripped a, their a skin off. Would, a werewolf, yeah. yeah, and there's a werewolf underneath. I remember mm-hmm. thinking, like, that's a neat idea. I yeah, like that. it was very, like, cartoony in a way that I liked, which yes. all the Stephen Summers movies really are. Like, even back to Deep Rising, they are all kind of like comic books turned into movies. Yes, I did so, not remember he made Deep Rising. His last movie, movie owns. <laughs> <laughs> his last movie was Odd Thomas, which I didn't see. Yeah. I heard, heard okay things about it. Yeah. It yeah. was, I, I liked it. It was clear that he was really held back by the budget. Right. Stephen Summers should have the money to do what he does best, which is just to keep making Van Helsings. Yeah, just a hundred <laughs> Van Helsings. Look, okay. yeah, I'll give the man his Van Helsing. He can make a, a shitty monster movie. He's made so many good movies. So there's a thing that that we've been doing on the show lately. Uh, sorry, I've been doing on the show and bothering people mm-hmm. um, okay. called This or That, uh-huh. uh, oh, where I basically I pick two things that are similar and then I just force someone to choose. Yeah, and then when I used to teach children's theater. That's what I would do to quiet my students down. Really? Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely how I bring this podcast to a halt. But um, so let's I just do like this. To flick the lights. Yeah, I just say, what do you guys like better, pizza or music? Then they'd have to decide. Oh boy, that's rough. Oh yeah. Uh, so let's do this: Stephen Summers uh-huh. or Joe Johnston. Oh, hmm. You know, <laughs> if I if I sat down today and rewatched both of their filmographies, 
my answer would most likely be Joe Johnson, but in terms of my lifetime enjoyment, <laughs> yeah, Stephen Summers. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. But I definitely that's that's an entirely fair comparison. I think that's, they're very that's similar the filmmakers. That's the key be- behind this or that is you yeah. gotta pick things that are like, oh damn, those are really. What was the last movie Joe Johnson made? Was it? It wasn't a Captain America movie. He made another movie after that. I think yeah, I think he did. But uh, I think it was not great. But I don't remember what it was. Yeah, because Captain America was like 2011. Yeah, uh, 2010, so. and he's definitely made something since then. Uh, it was 2011 because I saw it at Comic Con the year I moved to LA. Okay, all right, we can talk about Comic Con. That's fun. That's great. That's, yeah, he made a movie called Not Safe for Work. Yeah, yeah, really, really, really low budget. Damn, contained. It was. It reminded me of uh, that Ryan Phillippe movie uh, where he's just in an office the whole movie. Shattered Glass. Nope. You're thinking of Tim uh, Robbins, Ryan Phillippe, Breach? No, is it Breach? Antitrust. Antitrust. No, I never okay. saw Antitrust. I didn't. But there's also it. a movie named Breach, and then there's also Not Safe for Work. They're all yes. the same. But Tim Robbins is not in Breach. Chris Cooper. That's yes. right. And um, Breach is a really good movie. Laura Linney. Yeah, I Laura saw Linney. Breach. Yeah, yeah I, that is a very good movie. Billy Ray, who also made Shattered go. Glass. Mm-hmm. Yep, I, uh, I saw that during the three brief months that I worked at the ArcLight. That's right in Hollywood. I forget that it was only three months. Only three months, and it was we a lot of movies. It was February, March, and April, like the three slowest months. Yeah. Uh, the doldrums. And, uh, yeah. yeah, and yeah, I got there like there were still some of like the big Oscar stuff. Like I definitely got to see like watch Pan's Labyrinth and like Children of Men a couple of times because that was still a, hang- a holdover. But mostly what I watched, I saw Zodiac that came out while I worked there right. and Breach. And the host. You and I saw the host. Yeah. And then I also saw Starter for 10. Everybody remember Starter for 10? Yeah. James McAvoy. I saw The Last Mimsy. Oh, Um, The Last Mimsy is one of the most insane movies. (laughs) See, I don't even remember it. There's a lot of children seizing violently while, like, quirky music plays. That's that's about as much as I remember. I remember Last Mimsy came out around the same time as The Astronaut Child. And they were both like, hey, do you want to see kids do oh, weird shit? Sorry, Martian Child. Yeah. Astronaut Farmer. Which yes, also came similar. Out yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but Martian Child and Last Mimsy, I remember, came out around the same time and both featured like whimsical moments of children being fucking weird. Just so weird. <laughs> and people just being like, it's <laughs> so charming. It's not. It's not charming. A um, couple of things. Uh, uh, I want to get back to Astronaut Farmer, but I want to say another we movie. We don't have to. What a weird I did thing want to do. <laughs> um, but another, another <laughs> Much movie, to say about Astronaut Farmer. Uh, uh, another movie I saw that no one remembers is a movie called Pride. Not the one from a few years ago. Sure. The, is this swim team this one? Is the Terrence Howard coaches. Terrence Howard and uh, Bernie Mac like co-coach a swim team at an all-black high school. Mm-hmm. Um, that came out. I don't remember. I don't remember if I liked it or not, but I know I went and saw it because Terrence Howard had been nominated for best actor a couple years before, and so it's like, okay, we're going to give you this. It wasn't a franchise or anything, but like right. you're, you get to be an inspirational coach. Um, That's what it looks like. But Astronaut Farmer, a couple things. One, it's good. It's a good movie. Okay, <laughs> I think that's the Polish watch. brothers, right? Yeah, to take your word. <laughs> Uh, but also they had the premiere at the Arclight and so I worked at the premiere and this is one of my favorite things uh, like um, Billy Bob Thornton and Virginia Madsen I don't know if you listeners at home don't know the Cinerama Dome but um, you know it has you walk in there's the concessions there's the two entrances on either side and there's also stairs that go up to the top like there's not a balcony there's just like because the floor is raked I guess mm-hmm. it is kind of a balcony but Anyway, so there's also stairs. You're painting a vivid picture. Uh, on either side, uh, uh, you know, behind the, you know, if you're facing the concessions, the two main entrances that are in front of you, the two stairs behind you. So, Billy Bob Thornton 
in Virginia Madison. They spend, they walk the red carpet, they stop, they're answering all the questions, they're taking all the pictures. They finally, they get in, you know, I hand them the free popcorn and Diet Coke or whatever we're handing out. Um, they go into the theater, the movie starts, someone makes a speech, lights go down, and the movie starts, and almost immediately, Billy Bob Thorne and Virginia Madsen come down the stairs, out the front door, and into a waiting car. <laughs> <laughs> they were gone before, like, the opening titles were over, <laughs> I'm sure. I get that. <laughs> uh, I don't like watching my own stuff. I understand. <laughs> um, another movie I worked the premiere of was a movie called Premonition with uh, Sandra, Sandra Bullock. Bullock. Yeah, yeah. Mm. That, had a good, that had a good poster. Well, here's what like I, her face was made out of tree branches or something. That's yeah, right. Yeah, it's made out of something. Well, yeah. well here's what I remember about working at the ArcLight. I'm, I'm sure I've mentioned this in the podcast before. You have to, if you're an usher at the ArcLight. Um, you know, part of their thing is that the ushers make sure the picture quality and sound quality is good, whatever. But all that means is you have to stand off to the side through the trailers and wait for the movie to start, make sure it looks and sounds okay in the first, you know, literally 30 seconds or whatever. But the end result of that is that you see the same trailers over and over and over again. So there, yeah, there are trailers like the one for Premonition that I, if it started playing right now, I could probably just quote Yikes. Uh, the, <laughs> the trailer from beginning to end. Martian Child was another one that I saw. Oh, yeah. Lots and lots of trailers. Uh, well, the same trailer. The other one uh, that I never saw the movie was, remember, Talk to Me with Don oh, yeah. Cheadle? I love that movie. Yeah? Yeah, I quote it all the time with my best friend, Walter. Yeah. Does Walter Blue Blazes. Okay. <laughs> Do you just say, talk to me? Is that what you're quoting? Uh, Walter, yep. talk to me. Yep, yep. And then he goes, Blue Blazes. That's about it. I don't really remember much else about the movie, other than really enjoying it. What is the context in which someone says Blue Blazes? At this point, I don't remember. Yeah, I okay. wasn't going to. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I that believe it's been... an exclamation. Okay. And I also think it's a nickname that Don Cheadle assigns to... Who's his co-star in that movie? I, uh, if the trailer started, I could tell you, but uh, I, I locked it away. I can picture because, of course, I worked at Martin a blockbuster Sheen? at the time, and uh, so I can picture the cover. I think but it's Martin Okay, Blue Blazes. Yeah, that I wouldn't mind if somebody gave me David. If you gave me that nickname, which I'm now telling you to do, uh, no, you have a nickname. I think it's because he's. I think he's trolling him because he at some point goes, "What in the Blue Blazes?" And then mm-hmm. Don Gillis just calls him Blue Blazes. Okay. It's not bad. It's been it's been ten years. Okay. Well, it sounds uh, like I, I got to see this movie based no, on Martin that Sheen's interaction. In the movie. It's Martin no, Sheen. It's definitely um, Martin Sheen. Tyler, you have a nickname. Yeah. What is it? Touchdown. Oh, touchdown. That's right. Um, oh yeah. Tyler's middle initial is D. I'm not going to yes. say what your real name is if Thank you don't you. want me to. Which makes his first it, two initials T D. Terrible. Uh, it's no, not it's terrible. It's a perfectly fine. Uh, yeah. I don't know name. why. I don't know why. As a kid, kids made fun of me for it. Uh, how? I don't know. I, mean, you know I don't what? remember. Like, oh, okay. my middle name is Dean. And so at the time, like, Jimmy Dean Sausage was a big thing. It's like, yeah, oh, but my yeah. first name isn't Jimmy. Yeah, sure. So can't we just drop that? Yeah, yeah. And I so. that, that just constitutes, that's like a Seltzer and Freeberg version of, like, just referencing a thing that constitutes <laughs> oh, making fun of. Yeah. You know what? I think that actually might be even more clever they than They still there. get to make movies? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. know. I don't the know. last I heard of them was that Vampire Suck movie, which was their uh, Twilight. Mm, that was several a, years I ago. I think they did a Fast and a Furious one, too, after that. Oh, okay. Super fast. Wow. Okay. I'm not, I'm it's not incredible. Like, they get... Can you imagine? Like, they get to make movies all the time. <laughs> well, there was a, there was a time like when... They can't be enjoying that, right? Like I don't know. Those movies don't seem fun to make. I don't know. It seems like they just have a checklist. The actors certainly it's like can't a be Roger having fun. Corman level of like, look, I just show up and, yeah. I, and I make something and I leave. 
Yeah. And then at the time it gets, it's number one at the box office for exactly one week yeah. uh, because there's nothing else. Cause it's either late August or early January and we're doing, we're doing great. Uh, I remember I had, once when I was a PA speaking of Seltzer and Freeberg, I was a PA on a PA on a movie that, w- that never ended up getting made. I can't remember what it was called, but it was like a dance, like a teen dance. It was essentially like a modernization of Dirty Dancing, but with enough change that they weren't saying that. Uh, And it ended up not getting made. But before it didn't get made, they were considering revamping it into being like a dance movie parody. And so I, as a (laughs) PA, they sent me to Blockbuster. That's what year we're talking about. um, To uh, um, actually, this all ties into the Arclight story, which I'll tell in a second. Um, Send me to Blockbuster to rent for the producers like all of the Seltzer and Friedberg movies oh, so they no. could watch them and see if that's what they wanted to do. But that's the thing. I worked at the Arclight for three months just while I was waiting for another PA or other kind of job to come up. That one came up. Um, uh, and so I quit my job at the Arclight with no notice, meaning I, they could, I couldn't go back. Started this PA job. Four days later, they shut down the movie. Like, I literally got back from, like, a run to Office Depot to set up the, the production <laughs> office. And they were like, all right, you got the receipt? Turn around. Bring all that shit back to Office Depot. Wow. See, uh, I like did you see idea. it coming at all? Uh, I mean, we knew that, that well, like I said, with the retooling, we knew they were rethinking this movie. But uh, I don't think I had gotten my enough. Uh, I hadn't gotten steady enough in the mm. office. Uh, I did see Larry David, though. Uh, was he going to be in it? Uh, no, but it was in the <laughs> uh, the production office where it was in where the curb production offices are, which is where they shoot curb a lot of the time. Yeah. So if you think like where uh, who was Tia Carrera, the receptionist uh, that was dating? Um, uh, oh gosh, Richard, uh, um, I don't remember. I think that was, sounds right. Yeah. Anyway, so that building, which is where Larry's yeah. office is in the show, that's really where his offices are, mm-hmm. and that's really where we should, so I wow. saw him. They were also editing Superbad. Oh, down wow. the hall I've and then that, yeah. one building over they were editing Gone Baby Gone wow fantastic yeah. a lot of good stuff going on over there I yeah PA'd, but not this uh, movie which I forget the name of I PA'd I got a, my first big PA gig on a, on a huge sci-fi movie for a major studio that got cancelled after three months <laughs> wow three months though yeah I made it through three months we were like about to really get going and then didn't happen it's would have so, been cool though it's so crazy when you think like how much money do you think was spent during that three months? Hmm. I think the director had pay for play. So a lot. Yeah. <laughs> pay or play. Sorry. It just, it, it just, uh, it always fascinates me the amount of money that goes into, and I'm not, I'm not decrying it. I mean, movies take a lot of money, but yeah. there is this feeling. It's like, okay, three months and we spent a lot of money. We're making something. <laughs> yeah. I'm always curious about like how the decision gets made to, uh, just not, continue yeah but i guess sometimes it's more responsible yeah maybe i I guess that's probably there's no way i'm responsible enough with money to be able to say so (laughs) yeah um speaking of the av clubs were earlier there was an interview with peter stormare Mm -hmm. this week in which he talked about a movie that he was gonna be in that michael bay and will smith wanted to make that was like a relatively low budget movie and basically what happened is their like their representation essentially stopped the movie from happening because it was going to cost so little, little that, that their agents and managers would be getting a sliver of what they uh, would make if they went and made something else. That's funny. crazy. How long ago was that supposed to have 
Uh, yeah. He said it was after. It must have been after. Um, what was the last movie that uh, Pierce Tamar did with Michael Bay? Not counting Pain and Gain, which he was cut out of. Apparently, uh, uh, I've never. So no, it was probably after the Bad Boys movies. Uh, or maybe between the Bad Boys movies that happened. Wow. Anyway, uh, I'm pretty bummed. Good, good the Bad Boys Three isn't happening. Uh, I was not. I was ready, especially with Joe Carnahan. I love Joe Carnahan. I was ready for it. Okay, I like Joe Carnahan. Yeah, but uh, let him make something else. That's how yeah. I feel. Uh, I just I just miss enjoying Will Smith. <laughs> You're not looking forward to Bright. Yeah. yeah, I just miss. Uh, <laughs> I remember liking uh, more so than than most people, but I like that movie Focus. I thought he was. I don't love it. It's it's a flawed movie, but he's very charming in it, and he's very effective. I thought. I really wanted to see it, but I did not. I did wind up watching a lot of it over someone's shoulder on a plane. Okay. Are you sure you're watching that one and not the William H Macy Laura Dern? focus from 2000 which I would will never smith is forget. also in and is very charming i would never forget that focus <laughs> because i watched it when it came out and i was quite young uh, and i, liked it I was we were college sophomores probably yeah. we rented it when it came out on dvd well i i went and saw it by myself i think that might oh. be the the first film i ever saw by myself wow uh i went to that uh sea biscuit uh, was it okay mine right. was i think we just discussed this didn't we I think we did. Mine yeah. was Nick of Time. Yes, we have Ooh. talked about that. Yes. Uh, with Johnny Depp. Um, he and I went to see. No, that defeats the premise because the whole thing was I thought it was. But Focus, for those who don't know, that this movie focused from 2000 to 2001. Mm. The premise is that William H. Macy gets a new pair of glasses and everyone thinks he's Jewish. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's the premise. Everyone the, thinks yeah. he looks Jewish and they become anti. Well, they are anti Semitic and start acting yeah. anti Semitic toward him. Because and it's of this idea of like he doesn't. Because it takes place in like post-war America, and it's like, well, of course, we all know what these terrible Nazis did and mm-hmm. stuff. We, that could never happen here. And he's very naive about uh, prejudice in the U.S. And then he gets this pair of glasses that, admittedly, when I saw them, like those are some very Jewish glasses. Um, <laughs> that's a joke. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> what that would even qualify as. But, um, but yeah, uh, it's it's pro- you know I liked it at the time, but I think it's if I had to guess, I'd say it's probably pretty overwrought. Um, as one would expect. It's got, it's got Laura Dern in it. And Meatloaf. Meatloaf is in yeah. it. Yeah. Meatloaf a day. That's right. Um, so, so, Ben, uh, I want to ask you a couple questions. First sure. off, uh, what are some of your favorite movies? Oh, boy. Or what? Here's, here's I have the, some. I have a handful. Okay. Because yeah. I have other easier questions, yeah. which is... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Richard Rush's The Stuntman is... Damn right. One of my all-time favorite movies. Uh, Lena Wertmuller's Seven Beauties, which I finally got to see on the big screen for the first time um, earlier this year. Uh, I love that movie very, very much. First time a woman was nominated for Best Director, and almost nobody I've met has ever seen it, which is insane. I've never seen it, yeah. Yeah, that is, like, historically important film. Yeah. A foreign director nominated for Best Director, no less, for a foreign film, and the first time a woman's nominated, and no one has seen it. It's an, an incredible movie. I think only four women have been nominated for Best Director, right? I Her, think so, yeah. Jane Campion, uh-huh. Catherine Bigelow, and Sophia Coppola. Sophia Coppola. Coppola. Yep. I think that's it. Yeah. yeah. So it really feels like more people should have seen <laughs> Seven Beauties. Yeah. Um, but it's an unbelievable movie. I also listened to the uh, theme song to that film on the way over here. Um, Magnolia. Boogie Nights, big P.T. Anderson fan. Um, you looking forward to whatever the, whatever the new one's called? Does it have a name yet? Yeah. Have you been hearing rumors about that movie? No, I, I've been I hearing some crazy about. stuff. I'm that's, ready. That's Phantom exciting. Thread is Phantom the title. Thread, that's right. And uh, someone was saying the other day that it is like Fifty Shades of Grey 
by way of Mike Lee. Okay. Right, I've heard interested. that there's a lot of S&M stuff in it, and I really want it to be true because I think it would be rad if DDL went out just hanging dong and was like, all right, I'm done. Peace. <laughs> That's his last. And <laughs> goodbye. Yeah. It'd be pretty cool. So we'll see. Um, beloved Pete Anderson, Hal Ashby is another one of my favorite filmmakers. Uh, the Landlord, his first movie yeah. I love. Um, the Yakuza is another one of my favorite movies. Uh, that's Sidney Pollack. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I saw The Landlord, this was years ago, um, at the Arrow Theater. It was a, mm. it was The Landlord and Fabulous Baker Boys double feature yes. with uh, Bo Bridges Q&A. I wanted Q&A. to go very badly and I did that not was, make it. Yeah. Yeah. That was really fun. Uh, he seems like a great guy. I've Bo been Bridges. missing a lot of my favorite movies that have been playing in theaters lately. Just like have had something else going on. Have yeah. they played streets of fire on 70 millimeter at the arrow recently? Yeah. They didn't make it. it. Crushed me. Uh, yeah. A friend of ours, our friend Scott went to that. Um, my wife and I decided to go do bar trivia instead. Oh, huge mistake. <laughs> I have the blu-ray. No, no, no. I'm not a, I'm not a, this is a thing with, I'm not a purist when it comes to like, celluloid right i'm not a purist so much as it's i i just i mean i love seeing a movie that i've never gotten to see in a theater before that i really love like sure, yeah. in, in a place where i have to give it my full attention because right. that's the thing is like even if you're an astute devotee of cinema like when if you're sitting here living room watching a movie like it's not going to have 100 percent. like there's going to be a fraction of you that's not in the movie but in a theater you get you have nothing else you have to you're at the movies uh beck and call so i do like showing up for that like mm-hmm. if it's a print or if it's digital or whatever i i like to see it that way i just got tickets to see suspiria the 4k mm. oh that's oh, exciting nice. yeah and drive to santa Ana to see it october 1st <laughs> um speaking of 4k uh restorations there's a movie i, I just I, I got to watch the vimeo screener but it is uh, the i'm 4K. sure it's the same <laughs> yeah but the four the the uh 4k restoration is opening as of this recording tomorrow night this is the time you're hearing this it's already playing in los angeles of a 1960 french film called le true or the hole hmm. uh, a guy named jacques becker who made the touche pas grisby i'm not sure if i'm saying that right um anyway so i watched it's uh, i watched this movie and it looked like this is going to be it's going to sound like hyperbole because it is but I think it might be the greatest movie I've ever seen about a prison break it might be oh. the greatest prison break movie ever made I feel like someone was just talking to me about this movie maybe because this restoration is coming the restoration up. yeah hmm. but uh, it's playing at the uh, Area Fine Arts Theater Aria Fine Arts Theater in Beverly Hills which is a reason enough to go see a movie never heard of that uh, theater in my life is it real? <laughs> yeah it, it was so it was a, an old movie theater that then was like a playhouse and then was closed for a while and then Lemley just bought it Ooh. and like restored it and it's been open now a little over a year showing it's a single screen uh, showing movies again it's on, on Wilshire near I guess sort of near La Cienega um, okay. near like the Saban Theater um, uh, anyway it's worth going to see a movie just to, to see it there uh, yeah. anyway but this is uh, yeah the true okay. it's very so good. there's a couple things uh, that you've said that I want to I want to talk about first off is the idea of seeing something on the big screen it's something that while I'm not a big celluloid person not that I'm against it but that's not uh, the hell I'm going to die on but the idea of a selling point quality joke that's good <laughs> so what I was saying is that um, <laughs> the uh, the idea of seeing something on the big screen not only is it like okay well it will minimize distractions because if I'm watching something at home even I don't have a watch so even if I'm if I want to check the time it means looking at my phone and it's like well as long as I'm here I might as well check my email and then yeah I've missed part of the movie um 
but beyond that, there is something like when you think about it, especially older films, or I'd say any movie pre ninety ninety five. Like, bef- I'd say before home video became an inevitability and like started really playing into the conversation. Seeing a movie on the big screen, it's almost a guarantee that you were seeing it the way the director had in mind when he yep. made it. You know, um, now I'm. I'm not so foolish as to think that people still think that. In fact, I, I interned at a at a company that was putting out a, a movie. Uh, this was ten years ago, and they said, "Yeah, we'll give it like a little a cursory theatrical run, but uh, but I think it's going to do really well on home video." <laughs> and it's like, okay, so they're they're planning on that. Like that was yeah. a big factor. But I think you know anything I'd say again pre ninety ninety five. If you can see it on the big screen, that is the way it was meant to be seen by the director and the studio. So. You know, why would you pass that up if you have the chance? I remember I saw, so for Fourth of July, my wife and I went and saw um, Jaws on the big screen. I've seen it many times on on, yeah. on the big screen. But uh, there was this family across the aisle from us, and the kid, and they were all very excited to see it, except, like, the 15-year-old boy who he... he uh, thankfully, he shut up and just watched the movie and seemed <laughs> to enjoy it. But um, But he just said, like, we can just watch this at home. Why are we even here? Why can't we watch? And I believe he wanted to see, I forget the name of it, but like uh, in that theater, they started showing a bunch of trailers and then a movie started. And it's like, when you see Jaws enough, you know, like the, even the sound before the credits even start. I'm like, I'm not hearing that. Something's wrong. Oh, they, they started playing the Tupac movie. Okay. Um, and then, and this kid is just like, and so they stopped and like, sorry, everybody, we'll switch it over. And then the kid's like, oh, I wish we were watching that. Uh, this is the reason this is all eyes on me. Yeah. The reason. Yeah. Wow. And I would so, love to just see the visuals of Jaws with, <laughs> with just the audio of all eyes on me. It's like uh, Wizard of Oz and uh, Dark Side of the Moon yeah, yeah, works yeah. really well. They might fit together. I went to see, um, what was the one, uh, the one after Borat? The Bruno. 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 I went to see yeah. Bruno and they started showing up instead. And I was like, <laughs> much better. To be I'm honest. glad yeah. that it didn't go the other way. The other way would have been a disaster. I was seeing, uh, the blind side. Uh, I, for, I forget why I think because of my other podcast, cause they're a Christian theme. So I figured like, okay, I guess I'll see this. Um, and it wasn't good. I wasn't enjoying it. And then like the last, and then about an hour 15 in, uh, it started playing upside down and backwards. Uh, and the dialogue was backwards as well. It's like, Holy shit, what is happening? It's terrifying. <laughs> but, uh, and they said, um, they said, Oh, we can give you tickets to a new one, uh, to another showing. It's like, it's just a refund is fine. I don't want to see this again. I was so excited for the, uh, Joe Johnson Wolfman in 2010. And when it finally came out after the 67 delays, I went to midnight screening and it kept changing the like uh, scope throughout the film, like the size and like shape kept changing. And I stormed out of the theater pissed and to go find someone to complain to or to fix it. And like every employee had left the theater. It's like they literally like hit play and left. And I guess because it was in a mall, they were like, well, we don't sure. lock it up. The movie plays and everyone leaves. There are security guards in the mall. We don't need employees here. Uh, so I just like sent the nastiest email I've sent, wow. <laughs> sent in my entire life. But like, oh man, that was the worst. Because I was so, 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 so amped to see that movie. Did and you like that Wolfman? I really did. Uh, there are scenes that I like a lot. Yeah. But I don't 
think it comes together? I think honestly to go back to like the the dark universe if they had stuck with that like you know fo- like fog on the moors like if, yeah. it, if it was that if they were just hammer thrilled. movies instead yeah <laughs> i guess that's what i'm saying yeah because uh, there's a lot that i visually a lot that i like yeah i do um, think they should be you know they should be grisly and macabre and suspenseful yeah. and you can still have action in that context you can still have them feel like big movies like it doesn't have to be you know, Tom Cruise firing an assault rifle while sliding down a building. <laughs> it just seems so, it seems so obvious. And it's not, obviously that's a thing that we can say a lot is yeah. whenever Hollywood makes a bad decision. It's like, no, you could, it's so easy to make this better, but the dark well, universe, it's it just already. handed to you. It's, yeah, I know. It's yeah. just, it was just handed I knew, to them I knew on something was wrong when they released like a legacy trailer before this mummy came out. That was yeah. like, remember all the great universal monster movies. And when it cut to, like, remember the Invisible Man, the shot they showed was, like, the one shot of a car flipping over yeah. in the movie. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, who could forget that iconic moment in the Invisible Man when a car flips over? Dang, I love that action extravaganza, the Invisible Man. Um, the other thing, I, so you mentioned earlier, uh, you mentioned The Stuntman, which is a film I love. It's incredible. Um and what's neat is... I have is, the score on vinyl. What was that? I have the score on vinyl. It was like the best find I've ever had in a record store in my life. I, I wish I could say I remember the score. I don't really. Oh, that's great. Um, I'll just do the whole thing if we've got two hours. Give me ten seconds. Okay, got it. you enjoying that? Great. Here we go. Okay, it's all coming back to me. Talking about the stuntman allows me to talk about something I never get a chance to, which is crazy ass Steve rails back. Oh yeah. Like there, there was a time now he wasn't in a great deal of movies, but there was a time when he was considered somehow leading man material. Yeah. Life force, (laughs) life force. And then of course he helter skelter, helter skelter. Yeah. Yeah, That that one makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's just like, I remember actually he's also in the Yakuza. He has a a larger role. Yeah. He has a sword fight. If you ever want to see Steve rails, back in a sword fight he is such an odd on-screen presence i yeah. it took me so i tried to watch the stuntman in like high school mm-hmm. but i found steve rails back so off-putting yeah that i was like i can't even finish this People and then when really i saw, struggle with him when i saw it later i think it's like i think casting him is genius i just don't know if he knows that uh i think he does he reminds me of our modern iteration of Joaquin Phoenix and that there's like hmm. this kind of scary manic energy sure. where it's like the character himself is also acting in a movie, but also maybe just wandered onto the set and is dangerous and someone should call the police. Here's what's fun about what you just said. So yeah. on my other podcast, more than one lesson, uh, I talk about a newer movie and then I will compare it to an older movie. Mm-hmm. When I did my episode about the master, the stuntman was the companion film. That's a great like, uh, pick. I feel like it, uh, and I'm, because that, because Joaquin Phoenix's character, hmm, hmm, it's probably a car accident of some sort. Sounded like a firework. Oh yeah, that is uh, entirely possible in yeah. this neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Let's hope it was that. Um, but uh, yeah, his character in The Master reminded me so much of Steve Railsback's character in the stuntman because I was just like, Oh yeah, I'm not enjoying spending time with these people. 
But you can't stop looking. But you can't yeah. stop looking. Magnetic. Absolutely. Um, Jeremy Davies has a little bit of a Steve Rosbeck know. energy to him, too. Which is appropriate. I love because it. Because he I, played Charles Manson in the Helter Skelter remake yeah, in like the late there's, 90s. There's a type. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. I, I love that stuff where just... It, it, the storytelling bleeds into this weird alchemy where it's just entirely emotionally driven and the performance is just emotionally driven and it just yeah. detaches so much from reality but still feels consistent like that was he was so good at that still was back yeah and yeah. he's he's still around i feel like i saw him in something i mean obviously he's a much older man at this point but i think i saw him in something it might have been like an episode of really? law and order or something like that from years ago but uh i would i would love to see a recent steve Rosback performance yeah what must that be like um so uh so here's so David asks like what are some of your favorite movies yeah and maybe it's the, maybe so I'll ask this and it might be the same answers what are movies that you would consider to be influences on the kind mm-hmm. of things that you write and the kind of things that you direct or is it maybe just the same thing there's a lot of similarity I mean a lot of those movies that are my favorite movies are films that I saw later in my life my uh, first year of film school I had this professor Andrew Sider who became a really good friend of mine and he was into the weird stuff. He was into like the movies that broke convention. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we had a class on killer of sheep and we also had a class on Xanadu. Hmm. He really like, <laughs> he, he really saw everything good about a movie and, and was an inspiring presence. He, he was a great guy. And so I would go over his house and he'd show me stuff like landlord, uh, or recommend stuff like Stuntman. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of those movies are movies that I saw much later. Um, seven beauties as well. I saw in an Italian cinema class, my freshman mm-hmm. year of college. So I, while all those, those things influenced me, um, certainly I, I don't know. I think, I think about it a lot because I never know who to compare. You get asked a lot when you're writing professionally and certainly like when you're um, starting to find representation, like, oh, well, whose career do you want? Like, who would you compare yourself to? And you kind of just want to be like, well, you read, I don't know, you tell me, I'm not sure. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, I think there are a lot of things that I, that, that I saw that are maybe not movies that were big influences on me. I do think the Muppets were a huge influence on me and comedically speaking, as well as like old LucasArts adventure games that I played a lot, uh, when I was younger, comedically were huge influences. So let's, well, now you've pushed a button. Here. I was going to say, here. this is very exciting. Yeah. So, stepped okay. into Tyler's dojo here. Now everybody talks about those monkey Island games, which is sure. great. Grim Fandango is my favorite. Okay. See, and yeah. that's, and I'm at just the right age that I kind of stopped playing games right before Grim Fandango came Ooh. along. So like I was like Day of the Tentacles, Sam and Max, Full Throttle, yeah. and the Monkey Island games. But uh, I'd heard such great things about Grim Fandango, and they just did like a, a yep a, remaster a remaster. So if I had any time at all, which I don't, I was, was like, like I got years ago. I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you said they just. <laughs> I'm 35. In the grand scheme of things, <laughs> yeah, it's just. <laughs> On a long enough timeline, it like it's happening right now. Um, but yeah, and so uh, so yeah. But Grim Fandango was your was your preference. Did you play any Sierra games? I or were you Lucas I didn't Arts? play a lot. It was primarily LucasArts, and it was okay. because of the sense of humor. That's what yeah. really it was. Really like the writing that drew me in, and the and the art. It's funny. I, I always liked animation and had no aspirations of writing animation. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the writing I've done 
has been animation now. Like yeah. I wrote a couple episodes of a Cartoon Network show called Clarence a couple of years ago. I just wrote on the show for TBS Final Space. And I think that was always probably going to happen because also a lot of the stuff that I had, I had written that have either sold or developed out here has... I've, I almost always get the question, uh, is this live action or is this animation? Hmm. <laughs> and usually the answer is live action, but I think that I was just very influenced by things that were bigger. I like, I like writing-wise, I, I like to tell stories that are bigger, that go out to the extremes, but are rooted in something that's like really personal or really relatable. I'll, I'll usually just kind of like try to think about something I'm insecure about and, and try to make sure that there's like an anchor that's keeping everything on some plane of reality and consistency where you're able to like access it as big as I want the story to get. Hmm. Um, and then in terms of directing, uh, I mean, I'm sure the biggest influence on me is, is PTA. Um, because I saw his movies when I was very young, when I first started directing, and yeah. was just like, well, this is it. The camera keeps moving. Uh, every single bit of staging is so kinetic and is telling the story. And uh, I think Boogie Nights also was probably a huge influence on me writing-wise, just in terms of the tone and the comedy of it. Hmm. Um, yeah. It's, but it's it's, always, I feel like it's always hard to name your influences because you don't really right. know... I think it starts too early for you to really start tracking it. And then unless you're an extremely consistent person who keeps coming back to the same stuff, which I have only kind of half been my life, I'll have phases. And then there are things that I like from the moment I'm introduced to them. Um, but I, I feel like it's always hard to kind of pin down like what your influences are. It's I get compared we, to Lord and Miller a lot. And I, they, I did watch a lot of Clone High when I was younger. Um, when you said P.T. Anderson, for a half a second, my brain went like, oh, that's a weird influence for a guy who makes comedy. But then I went like, no, no it's, it's not. not. <laughs> His movies are fucking hilarious. Yeah. Like, um, His last movie was a comedy. Inherent Vice is extremely yes, funny. Yeah. A comedy, yeah. Uh, and uh, Magnolia, I rewatched not that long ago. And when Tom Cruise is like, I'm going to dropkick that fucking dog. <laughs> yeah. I think he says it twice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's very, goes, very I, funny. I'm serious. I'm, I'm going to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 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 Love um, Robert Altman, obviously, a huge influence on PTA and also on myself. Mm -hmm. And also his movie's very funny. Shortcuts, I watched a lot when I was younger. Ugh. I love Shortcuts, and, and Nashville's my favorite movie. But, Nashville's uh, one of my favorite movies. But Shortcuts, like, I laugh, and I'm like, ugh. I feel, I feel bad for laughing. Yeah, like, well, these, these people I love, are so miserable. I love dark comedy. That's my favorite yeah. genre, subgenre. Um, so it's right in my wheelhouse. Yeah. <laughs> I but just I saw Ingrid Goes West actually, and, and adored it. Yeah, yeah, I think it. Uh, um, I think it really shoots itself in the foot with that last gag in the. I don't want to say. Yeah, but the very I, end gag. I know what you're like, talking about. It kind of undercut some of the things and left it left a bad taste in my mouth. It, it's a great performance. It seemed from, a little. It was a, it was a little easier than some of the other jokes and ref and observations that, that were in the movie, but it almost it also kind of felt like the natural, like it had to go. I don't know. I don't know what how else it could have ended. That would have been a satisfying. Well, I have ideas, but uh, I don't sure. want to give away the ending uh, of <laughs> Ingrid Goes West, which a lot of people still haven't seen, yeah. probably. She um, goes west. Uh, yeah, <laughs> sorry, yeah, that is what happens. It ends uh, with her going further west. She just walks into the ocean. Straight into the sea. <laughs> uh, I like dark comedy, too, but I think um, with certain things, like Shortcuts always leaves a bad taste in my mouth because I feel like it's kind of, I, I don't feel like he, he likes the characters, but I know it's a nasty movie. Yeah. But then I also sit like sometimes 
people say that about stuff that I like, like Christopher Guest. And I feel like when someone says that Christopher Guest doesn't like his characters, what I hear them saying is, I don't like Christopher Guest's characters. Yeah. And so, so, so I, I, like, when I say that about Robert Altman, it makes me think, like, maybe it's just me. Maybe I just don't like the people in Trump I don't know. They're not super likable. They're not, but I think, I mean, Robert Altman in Shortcuts, Christopher Guest in his movies, I mean, I feel like it's like saying John Waters doesn't like his characters. Like, no, obviously these people love and see humanity in yeah, yeah, people, exactly, but yeah. are also not afraid to lean into the less positive aspects of, yeah. of human beings, which I very drawn to that quality in filmmaking and just in storytelling in general. Most of my favorite, I was <laughs> someone, I was talking to someone about my favorite books the other day and realized like most of them have just insanely unlikable protagonists, just <laughs> agonizingly terrible people. <laughs> uh, but when I think about like the dark comedies that I like, like one of my favorite movies of all time is Heathers. Yeah. Uh, and even all the Heathers in that, like there's some, they're almost, the movie almost like pities them more than hates them. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's sympathy for like these girls have gotten themselves into like a stratus of the, you know, school's class system where they kind of have to behave like this. And so there's, there is, there's almost a tragic yeah. uh, element to those villains. Um, uh, I and, and, I, and I guess I feel like when, when a movie doesn't give me, it doesn't show me that it has some sympathy. Sure. Uh, it turns me off a little bit. Those movies, cause Could they, be they're out there, but Heather's just fucking Coen great. brothers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think Coen brothers like their, their characters, but they can be punishing to them, which makes something yes. like a serious man. Like it's a hard watch. Oh, but oh boy. I don't think he, I don't think they, I think they like the character or yeah. they feel for him, but it is hard for me to sit through. Let me ask this, especially in regards to somebody like Christopher Guest, because I think for a long time I was of the opinion that he doesn't like his characters. And now I think it's a bit more nuanced than that. I think he has a great deal of affection for characters that he thinks he is better than. And I know that that's, it's not exactly the same. I think he actually, again, he, I think he likes them. I think he has affection for them, but I think you're you're saying it's a bit condescending. Yes. I think he stands not merely outside, but also above. I, I wouldn't disagree with that, but I also don't have a problem with it. Yeah, I still laugh. <laughs> I still think it's hilarious. You yeah. know. Um, did you? Uh, oh shoot! For your consideration, that that uh, Christopher Guest film. What? It's almost like I never saw it. I have no recollection of almost anything that happens in it, except for uh, Fred Willard and everything he does in it. And I don't remember what what character does he play in that. Uh, his catchphrase is "Hey, what happened?" That's no. I thought that was, was that a mi- in- that's a mighty wind. Oh, great! So yeah, no, I have absolutely yeah. no mem- memories of uh, for your consideration whatsoever. Which is unfortunate because <laughs> it is a great Catherine uh, Catherine O'Hara performance. Uh, well, but I guess we have they, so they many. all are. It's yeah. Fun. Does does it? I, I never I never saw for your consideration. Mm-hmm. But I remember as long as we're telling PA stories, which I've seen seem to be doing a lot on the podcast recently. But when I was a PA on a movie uh, at the 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 Culver Studios in Culver City, they were shooting for your consideration. I remember. It, Ed Begley Jr. walking around in like a daishiki or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've worked with Ed Begley Jr. He is, he's, he's great. He's awesome. What I'm saying was that for the role, or did he show up to work? Well, well, yeah. What I'm daishiki? saying is, it probably wasn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's a he's a he's a hippy dippy dude. He's great. He's he, uh, he seems like a solid guy. He seems, yeah. 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 Uh, you don't have any thoughts on Ed Begley Jr. I do. Uh, one of them is, oh yeah. I'm supposed to email him two years ago. Uh, he and I had it. He's sitting by the laptop. He's very sweet. You probably still could. Probably, yeah. He and I had a nice little back and forth, and then uh, 
scheduling things didn't work out and no. then two years go by i guess yeah it's a common thing for yeah. us yeah sure he uh he hosted a Harry Dean Stanton tribute I went to recently, really? and it was one of the best nights of entertainment I've ever experienced. Where, I could where, see that. where was this? It was at the Ace. Okay. Uh, it was the first annual Harry Dean Stanton Awards, and he was the recipient. And uh, <laughs> it was a just an insanely eclectic group of artists getting up and performing for him, and he was sitting in the front row of the theater. And Harry, it was Harry awesome. Dean Stanton was. Yeah. Not Ed Begley Jr. Or Correct. Ed Begley Jr. Ed Begley Jr. was on stage hosting. Right. Uh, but, no, I mean, it was Chris Christopherson came out and did a song. Um, uh, Angelica Houston came out and spoke. John Houston did. Uh, oh, sorry, Danny Houston. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> came out and did a monologue from uh, Hamlet. Um, oh, that's awesome. It was, it was wow. wild. And then at the end, they all performed together, like with a mariachi band. It was Johnny Depp showed up, which is weird. Uh, it was, it was fantastic. <laughs> that is awesome. It was, and then, yeah, Harry Dean did a song. David Lynch came out and said, uh, and this is my wife and I have been yelling this around our house ever since. Uh, Blue Blazes. No, he, he <laughs> if only. Oh. Uh, no, he came out and said, I think Harry Dean should be president of the United States of America. <laughs> and everyone in the theater stood up and applauded because they <laughs> were like, yeah, no, that'd be, that'd be great. That'd be um, a huge improvement. Finally, somebody yeah. we can all get together on. Yeah. Did you see that documentary about Harry Dean Stanton, partly fiction? I haven't yet, but uh, I need to. So I saw it at the LA Film Fest where I guess premiered and then he did a Q&A afterward but he was really just like he answered a couple questions but then he was really just there to perform and he played a couple songs yeah just it's amazing he, he is like in a movie theater deep he in just, his like, 90s yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> like oh yeah the movie's great it's unbelievable it's like, yeah. he still goes to Dan Tana's and just like hangs out at the bar yeah, and drinks crosswords. and is like yeah. his friends with the bartenders yeah and then like the the part they interview people in the movie like with Harry Dean Stan, like and yeah. so the part where they're interviewing David Lynch it's 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 a it's a couch that seats three people, and one end is Harry Dean Stanton, on the other end is David Lynch, and the middle is a full ashtray because they're both just chain smoking <laughs> oh, yeah. the entire time. Uh, yeah, Harry Dean Stanton is who I want to be when I grow up. I want to be ninety yeah. and still just yeah. Uh, I guess drinking and smoking that's what I want. Yeah, to be. Like yeah. a seventeen year old. It's not merely that he's in his nineties; it's a hard nineties. Yeah. Like yeah. you see every single year on his face, yeah. but he's still around. He's the best. Paris, Texas, another one of my favorite movies. That is, uh, I think, just, I don't know, I, when, I, when I'm looking to kill time, but I still want to somehow trick myself into thinking that I'm being productive, I will just make a list of something. Uh-huh. Uh, and so I put together a list of like my favorite lead performances and supporting performances. And I think, uh, I believe I put Harry Dean Stan in Paris, Texas as number one. I get uh, that. Because I think it's uh, astonishing. Yeah. Which is um, odd because my favorite actor is Robert Duvall, but uh, mm, but I think the individual performance of Paris, Texas is higher than my most. number one would be uh, every John C. Riley performance. Okay, I could watch <laughs> him for a hundred hours back to back and never never ever get sick of watching him. I saw uh, a publicity still or uh, of. Um, I don't know the name of it, but it's the Laurel and Hardy thing with Steve Coogan and uh, John C. Riley. What? Riley as Oliver Hardy. What? And uh, looks pretty good. What are you talking about? <laughs> There's. Uh, oh, that's a dream I had. No, no, it's. Uh, I think it's coming out next year. I don't know if it's oh. like theatrical or if it's HBO or something like that. Holy yeah. shit! Yeah. <laughs> So, I'm and it's, so and it's, happy right now. It's, it's, it's two of my favorite people in the world, and also Laurel and Hardy 
shorts I grew up on. Uh, yeah. Wow. It's called, yeah, it's called uh, Stan and Ollie. All right. Who directed it? It is directed Winterbottom? by uh, John S. Baird. I don't think I know who that is. made Filth, the James McAvoy. Oh, wow. Okay. It's an odd... <laughs> Yeah, so I'm next project. so in the bag for this. He right now, John C. Riley is making an adaptation of one of my favorite books I've read in the last like decade, The Sisters Brothers. Hmm. Oh, I've heard of that. Western dark comedy. Joaquin Phoenix is in it. I think Jake Gyllenhaal is playing his brother. It's all perfect hmm. casting down the line. I, it's going to be amazing. It's uh, Jacques Audiard is directing, uh, who's fantastic. It's going to be great. I can't wait. It's like probably my most anticipated movie of next year did you All see right. kong skull island i did did you enjoy it i did i did as well yeah i you know uh king kong obviously i said before was like one of my first favorite movies yeah very precious to me i had a lot of fun there yeah. there were things that worked and things that didn't i was really impressed i mean i, I like jordan vote roberts a lot and i think what he brought to it the ballsier things that he tried uh that got me more excited in a theater than a lot of other samey kind of things that I've seen in the last yeah. like year. Um, but I enjoyed it. I had fun. Yeah. And John C. Riley and his character managed to somehow be the heart of the film and the comic relief. I don't know how that's even possible. Well, John C. Riley. Well, I guess there's that. Yes. Yeah. Well, you could you say go. that about him in life. Yeah. He is all of our comic relief there was, and the heart of our lives. There was a moment where he, he was almost going to be a part of my proposal to my wife. Uh, Step Brothers, one of my favorite movies. Uh-huh. I think it is a masterpiece. I think it's the best comedy uh, maybe made in my lifetime. I think it's fantastic. But uh, my wife and I, it's like our movie. And so there was a time in which I had a friend contacting a friend of his who was in John C. Riley's band. John C. Riley also performed with his band at the Harry Dean Stan tribute. He will show up if it's a chance to play music. He's very passionate about his, huh. his music. Yeah. So there's a, there's a, a window of opportunity to have him play, uh, with his band and have me do, uh, Porti Volare from the end of step brothers at a surprise party for my wife at which I would have then gotten down on one knee and proposed started to feel like it was a little bit too much about me <laughs> not, <laughs> not about her yeah. so we went with a, a road trip instead but uh, um, see I thought this was going to be like a Tyler Red Bigley Jr. thing where you just never got back to him yeah, <laughs> yeah. he's like I still he just, keep, keep cool. getting texts like hey is this proposal going to happen cool for John C. Riley. <laughs> actually another thing that didn't wind up happening but would have been really cool it's only a scheduling issue I so I was employed by Legendary when Kong came out they mm-hmm. own Nerdist mm-hmm. um, and I was head writer director of Nerdist for three and a half years um and uh so we were looking at ways to promote kong and to make some cool video content for it and my pitch was to do a uh like christmas special the skull island uh christmas special that is like self-produced by john c Riley on the island that would mm-hmm. take place before the movie so it'd just be john c Riley's character and like the natives of the island putting on like a Christmas variety special, like an old school, mm-hmm. like the Bill Murray Christmas special that released yeah. on Netflix. Uh, everyone was amped about it, but I think John is already on another movie. Yeah. <laughs> so there is no way to get him to do it. Um, I think it got to him and he was down too, but such is life. Yeah. You know? That's Hollywood, huh? 
Anyway, we should probably wrap up. Sure. Uh, Has it been six hours? Yeah. Uh, On my perfectly insincere note, I think it's time to to say thank you. Um, If only you'd been chewing gum. I feel like that would have helped. Well, you can find us at BattleshipRetention.com. That's where you can email us. Uh, You know, you can read all of our reviews. Uh, David at BattleshipRetention.com. Let me slow down. David at BattleshipRetention.com. Tyler at BattleshipRetention.com. I'm on Twitter at Davy Pretension. Tyler's on Twitter. Tyler Pretension. Uh, anything you want to plug right now, Tyler? And we'll get to our guest plugs. Yeah. So over at uh, More Than One Lesson, uh, the last couple weeks have been kind of interesting. Uh, last week we talked about Game of Thrones. Uh, there's because the new season just uh, just ended, I believe, right? I guess. Okay, yeah. I, I know. My wife watches it. Okay. I don't watch it, but yeah. Uh, but there's been a lot of talk in Christian circles about whether or not it's appropriate to watch, and so a uh, friend of the show, Jason Eakin, and I talk about that. And then this week, um, Josh Long and then uh, former guest of Battleship Retention, Kale McCann, that come on to talk about comedy and addressing certain ideas like there are things you cannot joke about and that sort of thing. Mm. So, uh, I guess I'm just feeling a bit standoffish lately, uh, in the Christian community, but, uh, but yeah, I'm very proud of that game of Thrones episode and I like the comedy episode as well. I I do wind up making fun of kale a lot for his, uh, he, he reveals during the episode that he, uh, owns several didgeridoos and what choice did I have? Well, it's kind of like Ben with the, uh, earthquake preparedness kits, right? (laughs) He's got one at home in the closet, one in the trunk of the car. Sure. So you never know when an earthquake's going to hit and you're going to need your didgeridoo. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, we're without music. (laughs) Oh, hang on. No, we're not. The survivors will appreciate this undoubtedly. So Ben, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me at, at Ben Meckler. That's M E K L E R. Don't slip that C in there, uh, (laughs) on pretty much all social media. Uh, find me on Twitter. I'm on there a lot. And my stuff's at benmeckler.com. I update that pretty often. And, uh, yeah, might as well follow my writing partner too at Chris Amick, A M I C K. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that one does have a C in it. It does. Um, keep your eyes peeled for final space. Yeah. And for early next year and things you can't talk about yet. Hopefully other stuff. Something's going to come I'll out be able in like a year and a half soon. And you're going to, you are going to think well, that's probably that was it. Yeah. I wonder if Ben's involved in that. <laughs> <laughs> you won't do the research, but it's like the, the vibe I'm getting. <laughs> this sure. like that guy. Yeah. <laughs> this is a, this is a classic Meckler. <laughs> well, thanks so much for coming. Finally, after all this time, we, we, I, we made glad, it happen. Glad I hope it was worth monkeys it for off you. my back. And yeah. And then you have to head back out into the, uh, 110. It's cooled off. It's, it's probably down to 90 now. now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. Ridiculous. Um, so thank you. Uh, and thank you at home for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 